From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fires from freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? It's March 22nd, 2023. Time for another Clover Tack Podcast powered by our good friends over at MTM case guard and uh, we've talked a lot about them twice a week we talk about them it seems like here on the podcast but i want to thank them for uh, powering the podcast and they've got all kinds of cool stuff if you reload you probably have some of their storage solutions for ammunition but they have shooting tables and they have uh shooting rests and they just have all types of cool stuff uh for the outdoorsman in general not just the shooting sports but well i guess archery is considered shooting sports so a little bit of everything uh, archery camping uh hunting uh, shooting sports in general uh, check them out mtmcase-guard.com uh, don't forget that dash mtm dash case or mtm case dash guard.com see even i screwed it up uh, and uh, you can use code clover tack over there it'll save you 10 percent. quick note about that code i did have somebody tell me the other day that it did not work for them i contacted mtm case guard supposedly they've got that uh that all lined out now whatever the issue was i don't know uh but if you do have an issue definitely let me know and we'll uh we'll follow up with it uh we do got tony simon Sitting back in the green room, going to bring Tony in here in a little bit. And while your questions and all of that out there uh, on the live end of things are welcome, we're going to keep this a uh, almost a 2A free zone tonight. I love to do that when Tony's in the house. So I don't know what all we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some fuddish guns, I'm sure. Maybe mill serps. Uh, who knows where it's going to go. But uh, try to give him a break. That's usually what I do when I bring Tony into the show. Just kind of kick back and and have a little fun. Uh, but you are welcome to participate out there in the uh, yeah in the live chat. So um, yeah, if you're in replay, then go ahead and hit us up uh, down in the uh, comments below. Special thanks to of course the YouTube channel members, the Patreon patrons, and uh, everybody else that supports and, and helps out the channel especially those that shop over at clovertech.com slash shop so let's get tony in here and uh what's happening man hey what's good in the hood brother <laughs> not a lot man i'm uh yeah i'm i'm paying attention to things here on the youtube side Streamyard's been really kind of wonky for other people the last few days and it's acting wonky on me right now uh, I do see Rolando looks like is uh, is out there, uh, but I'm not showing for it to be this late in the evening on a uh, Wednesday. Um, I don't know. I don't know if uh, notifications are not going out or what. So this may be very low audience participation, but that's okay because we've got the audio replay world. Um, for those Tony that uh, you know, we're not going to go heavily into. Uh, a lot of 2A stuff. I know that you do enough of that. But uh, for those that might be just, I don't know, crawling out from under a rock, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> go ahead, hit us with your elevator speech real quick. We'll get that out of the way, and we can start having some fun. <laughs> elevator speech. Um, name is Tony Simon, uh, firearms owner, live in Jersey. <clears throat> Second Amendment advocate, came up here in 
forever ago, but purchased my first gun and decided to become a firearms instructor in 2012, right as Sandy Hook happened. That ticked me off, got me politically aware, politically educated, and politically active. And around 2015, I decided to start my own organization to uh, welcome people into the Second Amendment society or Second Amendment community that are, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, religious or background, I hosted something called the Second Is For Everyone Diversity Shoot. And it started off with four people. And now we've gotten to the point where at four ranges in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and also we're planning a tour of the Midwest this summer of um, Kansas City, Kansas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Lincoln, Nebraska, and maybe even a couple more states before the end of the year. So we're growing. We're trying to grow the community. I also run a podcast called The Second is for Everyone podcast. So that's what I do in activism in the firearms community. I'm also on the Firearms Radio Network on the Gun and Gear Review podcast and the Self-Defense Radio Network on self-defense gun stories. So I'm a little busy. I'm in the industry. And sometimes you just want to kick back, chill out, and not talk about 2A advocacy and just talk about the fun part of owning guns and shooting guns and the sport part. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. And so that's what, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do starting right now, pretty much. So, um, no, I, I got to thinking about, I was kind of, you know, this has been scheduled for a while. Uh, you know, I always think fun stuff, you know, when we talk, you know, and so I did a video the other day. And broke out my Mini 14. Haven't, haven't broke my Mini 14 out in a while. What, what's your thoughts? I'm just curious on the Mini 14. See, Mini 14 is one of those guns that <laughs> I've liked since, obviously, 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 18 was, was the Mini 14 thing. And pretty much, I think, it's really difficult to find those right now. But I've heard the Mini 14 is inaccurate, um, based on barrel harmonics or something like that, I heard, but inaccurate as in four inch groups at a hundred yards. And I'm like, yeah, it's that was actually the military protocol from the A. I mean, M16 is four inch groups at a hundred yards. So, um, I think a lot is made about that because many people don't know that's well within the parameters of what's to be expected of that firearm. I think it's really cool uh, what Bill Ruger did back in the day. He smart with marketing. He made that up. I also like the ranch rifle. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And now they have it in 300 blackout um, because we're talking about FUD guns. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the thoughts that I was thinking of on the 2A4E podcast talking about this week because of the bank situation and the bank, you know, going out of business, a lot of survival and gun channels are talking about when poop hits the fan or financial collapse. And it's like, well, what's your non AR 15 type? You know, if, if, if you decided to do that, right. It's like, what, what other guns do you think about? And it also was kind of a surplus thing. And we both like surplus guns Uh and, uh, I missed you this Saturday on G Web's podcast uh, with us getting together. And I don't know if it came up on air or not, but it was about surplus guns as a survival weapon. Ah, okay. And I'm like, yeah, but if you understand, most surplus guns are at least 70 years old. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, mm, for the price you pay for them now, even though many 14s used to be cheaper, now they're the cost of uh, a decent AR. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. 
Yeah, so those kind of priced themselves out of that surplus rifle range. But I'm like, surplus rifles now in the mid threes for a low, like a Car- Carcano or something. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe you're better look at if you're looking at a bolt action surplus rifle maybe you'd be better served looking at a bolt action modern rifle right yeah <laughs> like a ruger american um especially for that price you could get a ruger american between what four and six four uh, pro- yeah probably yeah yeah i gave uh, i think i gave uh I think I gave less than five for my mini 14. Now that was years ago. Oh, okay. I'm like, whoa. Years ago. <laughs> but, um, yeah, now Orlando out there, he says, I like how the mini 14 looks with the folding stock. I would like to own one if the price is right. So I'm not a fan of the folding stock. Um, and I know that was an 18 thing. Uh, but that was a TV thing. Doesn't mean it was great to shoot. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I'm not big on a, uh, I'm not really big on the whole folding stock thing. I just, I don't know. It's I'm, I'm a fud. That's why. But uh, I don't, I, I don't know. And, and, and let me tell you this too, is I like, and, and I remember this because this mini 14 I've got came with a Butler Creek at the time was making a folding stock chassis thing for it. That yep. was God awful. That thing was horrible, Tony. It was horrible. Yep. I don't know what First you're talking thing about. Go when I got home was like, oh, they were like, oh, now we've already put this stock on, and da, 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 da. and like the minute I got home, it was like screwdriver, change this back to the original stock. <laughs> like it was horrible, horrible. Yeah, the, a lot of those accessories. Uh, how long ago was it though? Oh God, twenty years, easy. Yeah, garbage accessories for a lot of stuff, and people would strap it directly on and act like you had something too, and it's like. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like I like the wooden stock. I like the feel, I like the aesthetics of it. The only thing cool about the folding stock was is the A-team gun. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and movies and television gets you to like some garbage guns because that's what your guy carried, like the PPK. <laughs> you know, to, that thing taught me what slide bite was, the Walter PPK. I guarantee you it will. Yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah. Or the Brand 10. There's a reason there's not a Brand 10 anymore. I'm just saying. As cool a of a gun as it was. As cool of a gun as it was. There's a reason it's not around. <laughs> 44 Auto Mag. Yeah, this is true. 44 Auto Mag was, what was the Clean Eastwood? Um, it was a Dirty Harry series, but it was the last one that they made. And he had the Auto Mag in it. And it was really expensive. I think you got it from turning down like 308 brass or something to create the round for it. Real complicated. So, of course, he went the way of the Dodo because it was overcomplicated. And stainless steel wasn't uh, working out, wasn't to the point of being used in guns like it is today. I think it was called spalling or something weird Mm -hmm. uh, it would do. So uh, they even tried to bring it back because I shot it at 2020 SHOT Show. Yeah, and it stills not back. Uh, maybe you can buy some, but I haven't seen anyone do any long-term review on it at all. Right, right. The uh, you know one of the things with the Mini 14 uh, that I remember that was pretty cool, and this was around about I'm trying to think when the A team was on, but or it was early mid 80s, right? Mm-hmm. For A team. Yeah. Um. So in 85 or 86, probably something like that. The um. Um, 
the Texas Highway Patrol, the Department of Public Safety, uh, mm-hmm. moved from, get this now, the Winchester 1894. We're talking 1985. They moved yep. further rifle from the Winchester 1894 into the Ruger, the Mini 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can remember that. I got family and law enforcement and, and friends and other things. And I can remember when that happened. So that's some of my, at that time, I was, I don't know, maybe maybe junior high or something like that, right? So, you know, that was kind of cool to see and, and actually get to shoot and experience the Mini 14 back then uh, through that. And the, uh, the Texas Highway Patrol, their issued remained that Mini 14 up until, I don't even remember, dude, but it was like the the early 2000s maybe or something Fine. like that the late 90s early 2000s something like that before they switched over to the ar-15 um people somehow assumed that everybody bought the latest and the greatest of everything and that is <laughs> right. not the way it used to be um i remember reading a story because i've been in the firearms forever um since i was a kid so i've read Anything I could find, any topic, anything. I listen to podcasts, all that. And I'm listening to this old story about one of the guys who was teaching a lever action class to law enforcement in the early 90s, like 91, 92. Mm-hmm. They were still being issued in some places. So these guys had to learn how to run a lever action in the 90s. <laughs> but many of these places still had 38 and 357 revolvers, too. Mm-hmm. They were effective. Understand when people try to convince you that you need the latest, greatest double stacked uh, wonder, brah. If you don't know how the training became and, and what it started as, um, I was watching primary and secondary, and they were talking about training officers in the, in the time they transitioned from the revolver to the semi-automatic, mm-hmm. and what they did because I compete in in PCC, right? Police pistol combat PPC police pistol combat competitions and that goes out to 50 yards with a handgun right weak hand strong hand and and that was the police qualification back in the day mm-hmm. with revolvers but what happened is when they brought semi-automatics in they made the targets bigger and brought people back in so now all of a sudden the furthest you'd shoot would be 25 yards and you start out at five instead of 15 i think it's like 7 15 25 and 50 Mm-hmm. And they just cut that down to 25. And now wow. it's getting even more. Oh, and then they claim how much more accurate the revolvers are and how many more people are passing the qual. Well, yeah, yeah you cut the distance in half. Mm-hmm. And now they're talking about getting rid of 25 and going closer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll think about when you, when you talk about that, you're cutting the qualifications down. I think about, uh, I don't remember what it, and it happens all the time. So what I'm thinking about, I, it could be a mixture of several different incidents, but uh, law enforcement encounters shootouts where they dump magazines or multiple magazines at point blank range and never hit anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, so, okay. So, so I've never had to pull a firearm in self-defense. I've never had to pull it where, you know, heart rate was elevated and the you know, stress and that sort of stuff. Right. I mean, manufactured stress maybe. Right. And lighting yeah. and stuff, but never for real. Never had to do it. So 
I can't speak from experience on it. So I don't know what that is like to the body and the mind and everything else. But it boggles my mind that any human being, even one not familiar with the operation of a firearm, can dump 17, 19, 22, 33 rounds point blank and not hit anything. Like that's, I, my brain doesn't comprehend that. I'm like, how does that, there's no way. How does that happen? Well, New York PD is better than that because they fired several rounds and they hit lots of people. Not the bad guy. <laughs> Just not the person they intended to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and we're laughing now, but it, I still remember it because it was under oh, Bloomberg. Yeah. Yeah, it was I've under Bloomberg. It. it was, yep, it was the uh, shooting outside of the Empire State Building. And it was a guy who was a disgruntled employee. He'd gotten fired. He waited a year to get payback. Shows up with his briefcase and his suit like he's a little worker bee. Walked up to his boss who was walking on the sidewalk about to enter Empire State Building and shot the guy point blank. Put his gun back in his little briefcase and just blended right back in with the New York I don't see nothing crowd. Two construction workers saw him. One followed. The other one ran and got the cop because it's the Empire State Building. So, of course, it's a tourist attraction. They got cops there. They got the police officers. They met up. They were like, that's him. And you see it all on film. They draw on him, tell him to freeze. He runs to the side, and they just open up on the streets of New York City. They shot nine pedestrians. They got the bad guy, but they shot nine pedestrians. And Bloomberg cut a check and told them all to shut up. Mm -hmm. And it disappeared like that. Yeah. Meanwhile, right? Meanwhile... The what was it? Indiana in the mall? Where where was that? Where the mm -hmm. kid shot forty yards? The Dickens drill. Yep. The Dickens drill. That's it. Yeah. Forty yeah. yards, multiple shots on a mall shooter. Only hit the mall shooter. Right. All right. <clears throat> because guess what? Civilians, many of them, train seriously with, with their uh, self defense firearm. Never remind me what handgun was he using. Uh, the kid, I think he was using a Hellcat. Was he? Okay. That's what I heard. He was using a Hellcat. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall, but, um, but yeah, 40 yards is doable. Not advisable in most situations. So if you're out there and you're listening to this right now and you think, oh, I really need to, you know, up my skills at 40 yards. That way I can take somebody out from that, um, <laughs> Except for in that that specific issue, they were in a food court, I believe. If that mm -hmm. when you know it started happening, so you know, I mean that particular situation, I think is probably one of the rare that people would encounter. But it doesn't hurt to be prepared and know what your at least know what your equipment can do, right? I think that's the biggest thing. If you just practice at five yards or whatever it is, right? Like mm -hmm. you're not going to have any clue if 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 you're in a situation and things change and you're ha you don't got no clue, you have got no confidence in your, in your equipment at that point. It's nice to be able to think, Oh crap, this is going down. This guy's 15, 20 yards away. I got to do something. I'm not thinking, can the handgun do it? I may be thinking, okay, breathing, trigger press, <laughs> side alignment. You know, I've got one shot at this. Don't screw it up. But I'm not thinking, can my firearm handle it, right? Because, like, I've already ran it through the paces. I know that I can do it. And to the extent, if I've already ran it through the paces and practiced, I'm more confident in making the call to do that as well. 
And sometimes that hesitation to make the call, I mean, you know, like if he had hesitated another minute or two or whatever, right? How many people would have died? You know, how many, how many less lives would he have saved? Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, I, I just finished recording with Rob Morris, self-defense gun stories right before this. And it, it's four stories of armed civilian self-defense. And many of them were someone charging at you. So it was a close range shot. One was a grappling, uh, fighting with someone shot. But I've also had them where someone was at distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to, as Clint Eastwood says, man has to know his limitations. Well, you need to learn them by pushing it at the range and, and seeing how far out you can fire. And when you listen to people go, well, there's no reason for self-defense at 40 yards. I'm like, you don't know that. It might be self-defense. It might be in defense of someone else. Uh, it might be your family member. I'm like, and also, how long is the aisle at your grocery store? What if you're... Right. Picking up the toilet paper for your wife and she's at the counter and all of a sudden there's an active shooter at the front of the store. Now, what I'm doing is is, is creating a situation, but I'm just creating a situation where, okay, you'll know. Can you make that shot? Like, would you even chance making that shot if you had an opportunity to? Do you work your way closer because you know you don't have those skills? Uh Now, when it comes time to pull the trigger in a self-defense situation, you should know your limitations. You should know what you can hit. You should have an unconscious competence of the use of that firearm. Mm-hmm. Now you're looking for things like what's beyond the target. You know, should I step to the side so when I shoot at him, if it goes through this person, it doesn't fly out the front window of the store, it hits the concrete wall behind him. Mm-hmm. Those things you can think of. Um and I am a firearms instructor. I don't know if people, I didn't say that early. I'm a defensive firearms instructor, have been for a decade. <clears throat> and um, I also listen to things like active self-protection. And I listened to a guy that had to defend his brother-in-law in a restaurant. He said he stepped out the bathroom and there's an active shooter with 10 magazines and an AR-15 inside, uh-huh. the, inside the place. Because his wife had ran into the men's room with him screaming something about a gun. And he says... And then she runs out the door and into the women's room. And he was like, did she say gun? Uh, He said he walks out of the bathroom, but he doesn't draw his pistol. He said, because it's Sunday. And if I misheard my wife, I'll look like the wacko that walks out of the bathroom with a gun in his hand for no reason. So he says, I I walk out and there's an active shooter. And he said, I watched an employee run by hauling butt. And uh, I saw people under the tables and I look up and there's my brother-in-law and the guy has an AR-15 pointed at him. Uh Well, he said, the guy is five feet away from my brother-in-law, seven feet away from me. He says, so I draw my fire on my handgun. I punch out and I put two in his chest because I knew I could hit him. And he was like, as I'm aiming at him, he said, I see another guy creeping up behind him with a knife. Me and the guy with a knife make eye contact. And the guy with the knife goes, oh. This is not going to turn into a stabbing. This is going to be a shooting. Okay, I'll get out of the way. Right. And, uh, and the the, uh, the good guy with the gun goes, all right, so did I didn't have to worry about anything because there was a solid stop behind him, and I put two rounds in his chest. And he said, this is what surprised me. Unlike television, this guy didn't drop. Uh-huh. The guy turned around and looked at me and started aiming his gun at me. So I shot him again and he fell down and I took his gun. And this guy was a former 
Army veteran. And uh, he said, I was able to, you know, easily clear an AR-15, make it, you know, and, and set it aside. And then the EMTs came and police came. But he was just talking about I had con unconscious competence. I was not worried that I couldn't hit a target at seven feet. Right. He was like, but what did surprise me is I thought this guy was supposed to just fold like a deck of cards, a house of cards. Mm -hmm. I, that did not happen. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, he should have been using 45 ACP tone. Obviously, I was going to say that. I mean, he was using you know, two world wars and all that. I mean, come on. <laughs> I love, I love they say two world wars. So we're just not going to talk about Vietnam, Korea, Grenada, just none were, of that. Those were conflicts, Tony. Those weren't wars. <laughs> come on now. We're, uh, we're, in, we're in 2023. Words matter, right? Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> that Apparently. alone. I still want one though. Um, oh, so I hosted a diversity shoot Thursday and um, I got one of my guys came through. I love Eric to death, but he came through with 17 handguns. I'm like four, dude, Whoa. four overachiever. <laughs> I was like, why did you bring stuff? Anyway? So uh, he had a actual 1943 manufactured Colt 1911. Oh, nice. And he also had a CZ 97, which is their, 45 ACP version of a CC 75. Yeah. So uh, I fired the, uh, of course, I had to fire the 1911. I mean, that was my first handgun also, and the gun I got trained on when I was in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. And uh, the funny part is, it was probably made the same year. Nah, anyway, right. Hell, yeah. Marine Corps didn't have any new handguns after right. 1945. Yeah, all that 1911s were World War II vintage. Yeah. Anyway, I punched out. I fired it and I remember, you know, again, slide bite because I have big meaty paws and it is a high riding thing, but it was really good squeezing the trigger on that 1911 again. But when I got the CZ 70, I was CZ 97, much better shooter, little heavier gun, little wider, mm -hmm. just a sweet gun. CZ Probably longer beaver tail too, with that ex with the deeper cut yep. on the grip, and that's one of the things about the CZ stuff, the metal frame CZ stuff, the poly stuff. I can't get into that too much on CZ. Like I don't got a whole lot of experience with that. Uh, but with the metal stuff, yeah, that deep grip cut in the CZ and the extended, it's just the you talk about uh, your grip, like everything in, in in relation to the bore axis, and it's just it's there with CZ. And, How crazy and to be is fair. That? And to be fair, not CZ. There's a lot of, a lot of companies, a lot of manufacturers that have copied those design elements. You know, even in the in, I see, I see poly stuff even that that's that mm -hmm. way now. But CZ, you, I mean, CZ seventy five, nineteen seventy five, when the initial design was in Europe at that time. That was pretty impressive because in nineteen seventy five, you might have had the beginnings of the. P226. I think it was called a Browning something then. Uh, I forgot what it was actually called, but P2 BDA, I think that's what it was called. Mm -hmm, the Browning BDA. Um, yep. Um, you had that. And I'm trying to think the Beretta might have been there, but it wasn't in the configuration of M4 yet. No. Was it? Uh, no. Uh-uh. Don't think I mean, so. it was going to be there shortly, but yeah. it was still in that M1951 uh, thing right. with the magazine release at the bottom. And But I'm like, that was pretty good for one, yeah. a Soviet bloc country, a communist country, uh -huh. came out with that, and it was sweet. 
Well, you had high power in there somewhere, potentially. Oh, right? It had the high power, yep. Maybe. But it had the magazine disconnect. True. <clears throat> yep. So the CZ was, uh, and, and yeah, the CZ got some stuff from the high power, got some stuff from the SIG P210. Um, but they really put it together well. And, you know, we think in America that, you know, we have a lock on, you know, the ergonomics and, and shooting. And I'm like, nah, nah, CZ pretty much got that thing right. We just didn't see it here in this country mm-hmm. for years. Uh, right. Jeff Cooper, Colonel Jeff Cooper saw it. And that's what he kind of liked about it. And the Bren 10, going back and you know, talking about that. Is yeah, kind of similar like similar aesthetics. Yeah, the Bren 10. Yep. Yeah, totally. Yep. Gun geeks. <laughs> Gun geeks. Welcome to it. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, it's uh it's what's about, man. Just kick back and have some fun. It's yeah. fun, dude. Everything doesn't have to be uh, a flat dark earth. Right. And 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 and, and chess know. rigs. I like flat dark earth. That doesn't have to be that doesn't have to be a tactical thing. Just <laughs> now, I remembered uh taking a class uh with Chris Costa. And a friend of mine invited me to the class. Well, I showed up as Tony, the now civilian, with a T-shirt, right. jeans, and work boots. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I had a chest rig in the back, but I'm like, my chest rig's got plates in it. That sucker heavy. Right. I'm like, I can hold magazines in my back pocket and run an AR. And that's right. how I ran the class. Uh-huh. I get out of the vehicle. And everybody there, really nice guys, but a lot of those guys are professionals and they had the money for cry precision and they had the money for scars. And uh, <laughs> I got out the car and I'm like, are, are we going to Kandahar after this? Like, right. are we going to deploy straight from this field in Jersey? <laughs> These guys are ready to go. Serious about it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, that stuff is heavy. It's hot. And I'm not playing that game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What uh, and you you actually ran an AR on in that one? Yeah, I ran the Modern Material. Uh, if you guys don't know, Modern Material is one of the only AR builders in Jersey, and uh, that's who invited me out. My friend Joe, and he said, "Hey, I'd like you to review my Modern Material Ace." So I shot his rifle uh, for that three day class, and it ran. I think I put uh, between seven hundred and a thousand rounds through it in three days, wow. and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you can feel the difference because I have my Palmetto State Armory because I brought my own rifle just in case his went down or whatever. You always have a backup rifle. So I have my PSA because I'm ready to run that. I've taught classes with it. I'm good to go with it. But uh, I was able to run that. And you can tell the difference between a $1,700 well-built AR and a good Palmetto State because that's what I had. I had a PSA dissipator because I like the look. And... uh it sh- shoots really tight group. I had a 416 stainless barrel. So, I mean, and I've got, I ran a snot out of it. And I had nice. a ACT trigger in it from um, ALG, ACT mm-hmm. trigger in it. So my gun was legit. It just was probably tops with everything involved, $600 maybe. Right. So it was, it was you know, you could have purchased two of them in a case of ammo for the price that modern material was, but you could tell the difference in the fit finish uh, of the two guns. Mm-hmm. But uh, glad I ran it. And and I also got to shoot Scar 16 because I'd never fired that before. Uh, one of the guys had that. And um, I got to check it out. 
<clears throat> and another guy had a, uh, they had a full auto 10 and a half inch modern material AR. So I got to run that on full auto. So that's a good nice. thing about going to class. It's the experience. It's meeting other guys. It's checking out the gear, how they run it, what's involved with them running it. And uh, you get to check out other gear to say, hey, do you buy two more PSAs or do you buy a higher end AR? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that answer could be buy a higher end AR and enjoy that. Hey, listen, I'm a dude that likes, you know, I mean, I have regular cars and when, but then when I finally purchased a Cadillac for the first time, I was like, Oh, this is what everybody's making a big deal right. about. And, um, you can, you can treat yourself, man. Listen, we all work. Yeah. We all work. And, uh, we, we, you can appreciate nice things. One of my coworkers is 70 something years old, raising a family. Uh, he's got young kids. Like, I don't know how you 70 and got a couple 15 year olds, but whatever. Oh man. man that's I feel <laughs> hard for that dude. Yeah. So he's working and he's a hunter. <laughs> he, he shoots upland and, uh, you know, he goes, uh, duck hunting and he just had regular, whatever he, you know, he topped out at wingmaster for eight seventy. Well, his wife decided to splurge and got him a, uh, black Eagle too. Oh, and, uh, great. That's a severe upgrade. That's Benelli, right? Benelli Black oh, Eagle yeah. too. Yeah. And uh, he's he's just happy with it. And he goes, man, you can really tell the difference even between yeah, the 870 yeah. and this. And he was like, you know, I'm I'm 70-something years old now. And he was like, this thing is a lot smoother, a lot easier to shoot, a lot faster, a lot lighter. And, and he was like, but, you know, I, I'm almost at the end of the road when I finally get one. All and right. I'm like, yeah, sometimes you got to treat yourself early because you don't want to. You want to be able to appreciate something like that Black Eagle too, uh-huh. for a decade or so. And he knows, he knows he's probably not going to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. But he's enjoying it now, man. And I was glad because he gets to talk to me about his fud stuff. Right. <laughs> now on the on ARs in Jersey, what are the stipulations on what you can have there? <sighs> <laughs> okay, so uh, evil features. So pretty much your bayonet lug has to go. Oh yeah, that's horrible. You, yeah, yeah, bayonet lug, uh, bayonet lug has to go, regardless of the length of the barrel. You're gonna have to have it pin and welded. Uh, yeah, twenty inch barrel. I have an M16A4 clone, and I had to get rid of the birdcage flash hider and put on a comp. Luckily, BCM sells one that looks like an A2 flash hider, but it's a comp. And I had to have that pen and welded and my uh, bayonet uh, lug cut off. So it can't have a threaded barrel, basically. Well, it can have a threaded barrel, but it has to be pen and welded. The muzzle device has to be pen and welded. Well, then it so, wouldn't be technically thread. So it can't have like... You can't, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You can't, you, can't, you can't have the ability to thread something onto it. Yeah. No. So, which means, which means, basically, you can't have a threaded barrel. Is the way I look. Well, at it. the way I look at it is this: you can because you can reverse that other crap. Eventually, you don't need to get a you know ninety four crime band barrel that doesn't have any threads on it at all. Right. Like I can reverse this stuff if I go somewhere. Yeah, you can always drill and do and yeah. But I'm leaving that on because I paid almost ninety dollars for something that looks just like an A2 flash hider and I'm keeping right. that sucker at this point. Oh and the uh, uh stock has to be pinned also you have to pick a distance. But the cool thing with an A2 obviously is it has a fixed stock. Yeah. 
but if you have an adjustable stock, that adjustable stock has to be pinned. So they try to get rid of all the evil so, features. So basically, you can't have an adjustable stock. I hate the the nomenclature with all this, but that's yeah. that's that's legislation, right? It's just stupid. It's like, oh, you can have an adjustable stock. You just got to pin it. You can't adjust it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you, it can have, you can have a threaded barrel, but anything you put on there, you got to pin to the threads. Like, yep. okay, well, that then what's the, you're just. In essence, you're telling me I can't have it. It's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, you can have it. And then I read the testimony. I don't know if I told you guys this uh, on this podcast, but I read the testimony from 1990 because New Jersey adopted the assault weapons ban before mm -hmm. the national, the federal assault weapons ban. And the head of the the superintendent of the state police told this bald faced lie in front of. Uh, during the hearings, he said the only reason people want adjustable stock is so they can hide the gun under their coat. <laughs> okay. Now, people ask, well, how did he get away with that? Because the way they set it up. Because he's the superintendent, he gets to speak first at the meeting. Mm -hmm. And then he leaves. Because he's important. Sure. And the rest of us gun owners get to sit there. And we had to go through like four or five other important people. Mm-hmm. And the cameras are there, and they all anti-gun, and the news cameras take pictures of the anti-gun people making their pleas, so they show it on the you know, nightly news. So then by the time anyone pro-gun gets to come up, it's over an hour after the, the lies have been told. Wow. Yeah. So now you look just like a weirdo trying to bring up, hey, remember that lie you were told five, six people ago? Yeah. Yeah, so that that's how that goes down because I witnessed it when I testified in the assembly, that's, and they said the only reason you want high capacity magazines is so you don't have to reload at the range. That's what that's what the the guy said. So yeah, yeah. that's the reason you want it so you don't you can reload less at the range. Yeah, that is called a <laughs> that is called political truth. Mm. That's what that's called when uh, you tell a lie so much that it's basically it becomes the truth, right? Mm -hmm. That's a political truth. Uh, Orlando out there, uh, it's been a while. <laughs> drop some, drop some uh, questions and stuff if you guys have them out there live. But Orlando says just here to listen to the conversation. Any recommendations on how to find Milserp ammo, specifically seven seven Jap? Thanks. Um, you know, for a lot of the Milserp stuff, um, you don't have a lot of options like PBRI or is it PRVI? It's one of the two. P either PRVI or PBRI. I can't. I always get it wrong. Uh, PBRI partisan or PPU. Uh, okay. Sometimes seller and billet or belay or however you want. To, I say S and B, so I don't have to say either. But. Um, those typically, um, in those manufacturers, you can find some, uh, you know, some Milserp stuff pretty often. And a, a good place that uh, you might want to look is, uh, uh, my mind went blank. Um, Tony, if you got any thoughts, throw them in here while I'm trying to remember. Well, I'm, I'm thinking like... Oh, Graffin Sons, I remember. Graffin Sons okay. is what I was thinking. So check... Uh, check maybe with the uh, graphing sons and, and look around and see what you might can find. Anyway, go ahead, Tony. Well, what I ended up doing is I go to something called Ammo Seek, which is an ammo. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. so go. I just punch it in right now. Um, it came up. 
um, ammo seek, <laughs> obsolete ammo. Uh, <laughs> mm, right. Uh, let me see. The, 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 the two or three days. I don't know if this is live or not. Uh, collector rifle and ammo. So I don't know these places. I'm not recommending them at all. I'm just right. saying what what popped up when I went on ammo seek and popped in this caliber. And we're talking 250 to 350 around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not. I would not be surprised. The last time I picked up any 75 French. Um, was years ago, and I had looked because somebody had, had said something about it, and I looked recently, and I mean, it was, it was in that range. I mean, it was fifty dollars a box, sixty dollars a box range, somewhere in there. Uh, and I think I gave maybe twenty when I, when I bought what I, what I bought back in the day. So, like, you know, that's the thing about Millsurp, right? I mean, we talk about Millsurp a lot, but but here's the thing. People complain. So here's the thing. Go to any gun show, right? Matter of fact, the Wanamaker Tulsa Arms show, the largest gun show in the world, is happening uh, here, what, in a, in a couple of weeks or so, in a few weeks. Highly encourage you to go there if you, if you haven't. Uh, it is definitely an experience. But um, you get people that complain about Millsurps. I don't know how many people that I hear like, Oh, the most in the gaunts, man, you know, that used to be a $75 rifle and you know, they want $300 for one now. And you know, or Makarov handguns, like oh, the Makarov stuff is freaking unbelievable. I could not believe I've got a CZ 52 that I paid, um, ooh, 80 bucks for, I don't even know, uh, back in the day. And I was blown away. Somebody said something about that. And I was looking them up on broker to see, you know, what, what do they go for? And I was blown away. They're in the, like the three and $400 range for a CZ 52. That's right? insane. It's yeah. crazy to think, but here's the thing. It's just like real estate. It's just like land. They don't make that. If they don't make it anymore, what's going to mm -hmm. happen? It's not going to get any cheaper. So the mill syrup you're complaining about the price on today, instead of just buying it, if you want it, you're going to be complaining in 10 years because it's even more expensive. Oh, yeah. So if you're looking at Millsurp stuff, right? Now, I get it. If you're talking modern production stuff, things that they you know constantly make a lot of or they have the ability to bring it back very easily or whatever, right? I get it. Like the price, you know, wait for a good price, wait for something to go on sale. Maybe you find one used or whatever the case may be. But when it comes to Millsurp, <laughs> like know what the market bears on it and if you find anything that falls within that range just go ahead and buy just go ahead and buy yeah. because you're gonna you're gonna kick yourself later down the road guaranteed you're gonna kick yourself if you don't well one i kick myself over almost every damn purchase anyway because <laughs> i want everything right. i mean i just want everything right. so yeah. and and no sir Dude, yeah, I, I the CZ fifty two. That's one of the ones I wanted. Tokarov, just just because I want to launch that fast ass bullet with seven six two by oh, 25. Mm -hmm. 25, Yeah, seven six two by twenty five. Such a flamethrower, man. Because oh. I end up having a not, not the conversion kit, but uh, what do you call that? Uh, that goes with the Mosin that has the Mosin round, and then you stick a seven six two by by twenty five round inside, and you can shoot it. So oh, it's yeah. like a training round. Yeah, man, that sucker is zippy, zippy, zippy coming out of the barrel of a Mosin again. It's just it getting is. all the powder burn. It is now. Can um, you imagine that seven six two twenty five? Uh, imagine the seven six two toke in like a uh, a submachine gun, or uh, you know what I mean. 
It um, was no joke. Yeah. It was no joke. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, if you want a gun, buy it. And this is coming from me because there are a lot of things out there that showed up and then disappeared. The Hudson mm. H9. True. This is true. Yeah. Hudson H9. And they didn't. And they didn't necessarily disappear because they were garbage. They disappeared because of the company handling business and stuff. A lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that's that way. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Um, I, I can't think or of just, stuff. Or there's just one enough demand. That happens a lot of times, too. Like, there's nothing that wrong with that particular firearm. But, you know, if it's not a popular thing, it's not enough of demand, they can't sell enough to warrant continuing making them, they'll drop them. They'll right? drop them quickly, especially and, a larger manufacturer. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and, the, and you can get you. That's why firearms are investments, right? I mean, it's the way I've always looked at mine. Mm-hmm. Plus, you also have things like Davidson exclusives, and and this is true, yeah. And and you can get guns that are just made for that comp that distributor. The distributor yep. goes to a manufacturer, says, "Hey, we'd like five hundred of these made, and this is what the features we want them to have." Yep. And if it's something you like, you better get on it when that five hundred is on the market, or you're going to be paying secondary market prices for something they only made five hundred of. Yep. Yep. I'm not telling a... you how to spend your money, but I'm telling you, dude, if you want a gun, buy it. So one of the few firearms, and I, I may have told Tony this before. Uh, but one of the few firearms that I own that is has never been fired, at least outside the factory. I've never fired it, right? Brand new in the box. I've never fired it. So the one factory round or however many they did. Uh, I've got a Beretta M4 uh, Marine Corps edition. So it's in a case that's got this red lined case with a Marine emblem. Tony will tell you what that is because I can't even remember it. But um, and it's got it came with a stock Beretta grips and it came with some aluminum Marine Corps grips. It's oh, golden. Wow. It's gold engraved. It's one of like I want to say fourteen or fifteen hundred, and it may be like a thousand. I can't remember that they did. It was a distributor special, like you're talking about. And they did it for each branch. So they did a thousand or whatever it was, or fourteen or fifteen hundred. I can't remember for the army. Uh, Marine, Navy, and Air Force. Um, anyway, I picked that thing up because it was really no more expensive than a than a M4 back in the day. I picked that thing up for like six hundred bucks. Right, this was years ago. Been years ago, right? I can't tell you the number of people that I've had that want to buy that from me, and I've had standing legitimate offers of fifteen hundred dollars, and I didn't. I've never sold it yet. I've never sold it. Um, and the reason I've never sold it, I'll tell you the reason I never sold it. It's not that I, yeah, there it is. It's not that I wouldn't part with it. Um, I would part with it. And this has always been the caveat when people want it really bad. I'm like, here's the deal. You find me an army in the same <laughs> condition and I'll trade you. Like, that's the only way you're getting this from me. Like, I'm not doing it for cash because they're so hard to find. I won't be able to find the army, even if I've got that stack of cash. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so you find me the army in the same unfired condition. I don't care if it's been opened or handled. That's fine. But same unfired condition, and we'll swap even Steven. And that's always the deal I made. I still have that Marine Corps Beretta. I haven't got rid of it yet. And the reason is you can't find them. You can't find them. <laughs> It looks uh, cool. You know, oh, it's it's gorgeous. And, you know, the uh, the 
Army is green. The Army's OD green, where that's all red. Uh, the Army version is OD green, and then the the Navy is white, which is really weird. And then the mm. obviously the the Air Force is blue. So, yeah, the Navy is white because they dress whites. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh wow! Wow! It has the white grip. It looks cool, man. Oh yeah, they all look good. Don't get me wrong; they all look good. Hindsight, I should have bought all four. Yeah, I get that feeling too. Every now and again, you stumble across something. How's this? This is this is one of my cool ones, and uh, he's not in the thing. But Matthew Dropko sent me a a text one day. He was like, "Hey, somebody's selling police trade in eight seventy Wingmasters for two hundred and twenty bucks." So I went on and it was actually trade-ins from the Ohio National Guard Mm -hmm. and they were actual uh, Remington 870 Wingmasters. And if you don't know, Wingmaster is the higher end 870 Mm -hmm. Um, with bayonet lug and everything, fixed stock and sling for less than 250 each. And they had the old school folding stock version that the stock folded over the barrel over the yeah over the top or whatever yeah over the top and i was like dude i had the money i should have purchased one of each because the folders ended up talking to a firearms instructor husband and wife team out in ohio and he was a former he was former ohio national guard and he was like bro we never even issued those folding stocks so they were just sitting in a rack in the armory Brand spanking new, no scratches, wow. no scuffs. I was like, dang, dude, for $500, I could have got two pieces of that history. And on the side of it, on the side of the receiver, the Ohio National Guard has the state outline with oh. ONG right That's across so the middle cool. of it in big letters. And again, if you're not into surplus, you got to be at least into the fact that it's unique. Mm, oh, yeah. So- only place you're going to get these particular ones and the bayonet they take is still the either m7 bayonet that was vietnam era which of course obviously have one or it also takes the m9 bayonet which was the newer one from my time in because i could own a bayonet i just can't have a bayonet lug right (laughs) on mc on a semi-automatic but i can have the bayonet lug on the have have it on the pump yeah yeah. So, um, yes, I immediately put that freaking bayonet on just so I could check it out. With with the uh, with 870s, keep in mind out there, in case somebody doesn't know, uh, Tony's talking about the uh, the Wingmaster being the, the fancy. The Express is the cheap one. So uh, just keep that in mind. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> yeah. um, I picked up an Express really, really cheap. It's been a while ago and was – finally able to find me some wood because the that express came with a again express being the cheap one it came with stupid plastic synthetic furniture uh but the price was right and it took forever before i I fell into some wood furniture for it but i finally found fell into some takeoff furniture uh that a gunshot i went in they just so happened and i'm like oh wow is that 870 and they're like yeah and i'm like what do you want for it and they're like I don't know, 20 bucks. I'm like, sold. <laughs> and I went, probably went home, yanked the stupid plastic off the off the one I had and put the wood on it. And a, and a mag tube extension. To, to of boot. course. You know, course. why not? You know, if I'm already there. But uh, uh, Rolando down there, 
He says, I uh, picked up a, a Type 99 for 150 bucks. That's why he's looking for the ammo uh, What's the, with reloading the old rounds. The problem, Rolando, you're going to do with get into with reloading the old rounds, the biggest issue, I think, uh, is the priming system. Are they Boxer or Burdan primed? So the way you're going to know that, um, is you got to get the old primer out somehow, or you can potentially get some kind of light and look down in the cartridge. Um, Burdan Prime will have two flash holes, uh, typically, and Boxer Prime, which is the standard primers, have one. So, and obviously, if you try to reload a Boxer Prime, the pin that knocks out the primer in the reloading die, it's not going to work. So, um, and a lot of times, too, if you're talking about Millsurp stuff, you got to be real careful with this. But with Millsurp ammo, a lot of it, uh, because it's Burdan Prime, and also it can hinge on the powders that was used back then, if it's older Millsurp ammo, um, super corrosive, too. Um, so you got to be really careful. A lot of times it will, um, especially if you fire that brass and you let it sit for a long time without cleaning it, that's not going to be good. It's going to end up damaging your brass. Your brass is not going to hold the same type pressures that it would otherwise. There's a lot that goes into it. But generally speaking, yes, absolutely, you can do it. Uh, there's just some things, Rolando, you want to you want to look for. Tony, any any insight on that one? Yeah, sometimes being able to get the rifle, you get excited and not realize that, yeah, there's a reason somebody got rid of it. Um, I have a World War One issue Japanese rifle. Um, I don't even remember what it is anymore. This is back in the early internet days where I downloaded all the information on it. Ends up, what happened with that particular rifle is the Japanese threw away the, the front of the bolt. So I have the rest of the bolt that runs it, but I face. don't have the front bolt face. Uh, and it really sucks because I think that was a bring back from my great grandfather from the great war. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so it's just one of those things that sat in the corner of family's houses until I got it. And now for me, that's going to be, maybe I'll eventually have the barrel cleared out, but it'll just be a wall hanger yeah. um, for something he brought back. So that's now another what, thing. What branch, what branch was he in? Army. This oh, okay. was the army. He was in one of the only fighting black units during World War I uh, okay. because most blacks, uh, black units, regardless of what they were, were forced to be stevedores and unload ships. They weren't allowed to combat. Ah, okay. Yeah. The stupidity of so racism like first, in history. First, war, first, first World War. Mm -hmm. Just stupidity. That, when, did that, when did that get better? Uh, it got better. They allowed some black fighting units during the Second World War. And then, of course, I think they integrated in either 47 or 49. Okay. So you had integrated black units. You still had silliness. I mean, you still do today. But sure. at least they, they put people together in units, integrated service. Marine Corps, last one, actually integrate. Um, it's my core, man. <laughs> it's what it is. History is right. history. We learn from it. Right. We learn yeah. from it, and America's a better place because of it. I know a lot of people want to, you know, pound on that. And I'm like, you do understand that America went from slave owner to everyone had the same right as the other on paper in less than 100 years. Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, some of the places, you know, because you, you get Europeans in your comment section. And I'm like, yeah, right. dude, 
I can compare America to any hundred years of your history and we kick your ass with giving oh, yeah. people rights and, 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 you know, pulling our heads out of our butts. So yeah. Um, yeah. We've, we need to learn from the past. We need to stop divisiveness because that's where uh, we fall apart as a nation. Cause our strength is when we stand together, understand wow. the past, learn from the mistakes and go into the future of better America. Yeah. It, it, it I'll, I'll never forget it. it there was something that you know i don't know it's become a meme nowadays but i remember seeing it i don't even remember in a video somewhere or a clip or something at some time was morgan freeman and he was talking to mike wallace or he was somebody Mm -hmm. and he's he's like oh yeah how do we get over this the racism he's like i tell you what i'll stop calling you a white man you stop calling me a black man and we'll just move on Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, that's pretty I, I much totally, that's pretty much what we got to do. We, I mean, I get that we need co- need to have conversations about stuff. Yeah, but we don't need to focus on that. It's stupid to focus on that sort of thing. It's stupid. It's it's when I host my events. I'm like, we have more in common than we don't have in common. Yeah, definitely. we we grew up watching the same Saturday morning cartoons. We, we had some of the same favorite serials. Uh, we had some of the same favorite TV shows, our freaking little uh-huh. sports heroes. We all uh-huh. loved them. Uh, mama beat us the same way. Beat us the same way. <laughs> you want your kids to do better like I want my kids to do better, that kind of thing. So we have a lot in common, and there are people that profit off of our divisiveness, and we have yeah. to be aware of them yeah. and leave them behind. Well, that's the – that if anything, right, that's, the, that's what divides us, like, race i get how i get how race gets pointed to i don't know how we went down this rabbit hole but you know it's it's bound to happen when you and i get on something (laughs) but everybody wants to point race they're quick to jump to race and like i'm like you know the divide the deciding factor in this country is not race it's the haves and the haves nots and by everybody and by and by the haves pointing at race all the time they distract people from the fact that they have everything and other people don't, mm-hmm. you know, and that whether that's freedoms, right. We're not talking about haves and have nots in terms of wealth and money. There's plenty of people that have tons of money. They're great people. And there's plenty of people that are poor as all get out that are garbage. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, not saying that, but it can be, you know, the haves in freedom, right. In opportunity in mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I mean, is there is there inherent racial biases? Yes. Go, well, sure, of course. There's yeah. always going to be, right? Always. There's going to be mean, biases. There's going to be prejudices. But to your your point, there are there are countries in this world, there are places on this planet today that practice slavery still. Like it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. So at some point, like we got to wake up and go. Look, we got to we got to. <laughs> We gotta move past this. We well, I think in the in the eighties and nineties we were, yeah, two thousands, and then um, and and I can put it around the Obama time that his election was used as divisiveness when it should have been a point that we celebrated as a country, yeah. as a whole, regardless of whether you liked him or not, whether you voted for him or not, as a whole. We should have celebrated it as showing America has stepped beyond right. the failures and the failures of our right. founders to get it right, 
because of whatever pressure you want to put on it, but then the failures of the post-Civil War uh, leaders to get it right. We got it right, man. We, yeah. we got it right. Yeah. And instead of going, yes, we're awesome. Now let's go about policies. If you don't agree with the policy, people use that to divide us. And I thought that was a lost opportunity for America itself. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, and then 9-11 happened. I'm like, oh, wait, we can get back together. Again. Oh, no, they split us. Politics, politics somewhere along the line. Politics, become, <laughs> politics, well, politics become like a major league sport. Like uh-huh. pick your pick your team, defend your team at all costs, you know, like then it's it's politics. It, it doesn't need that type of politicians should not be rock stars, superstars, public figures, role models, period. They're nope. servants of the people, period. I don't care uh-huh. what side of the aisle you're on, you know. Like somewhere along the line, they became the the the, re- and I think reality TV probably played into that a little bit, right? A lot of it, but there was always cult of personality. Kennedy true. had the cult of personality. No, Ronald true, Reagan true. had the cult of personality. Well, Obama did. Obama, Obama did. had. Right, Clinton here's the, did. Here's the thing. I don't know where you. I don't know where you sit on this, right? But as horrible of a person I think that that Clinton is, and the Clintons in general, and. I'm sorry I said that on when I got recorded. So if somebody finds out that I suicided myself, but by all means, just know that I didn't, right? But um, but for all of that, right, all that we know about the Clintons, Bill specifically, who cares about, you know, I would love to hang out with Bill Clinton. I think Bill Clinton would be a cool dude to hang out with. I say the same thing about Obama. People want to go, oh, well, this policies, this and that, and I hate, but... I think Obama would be a cool dude to hang out with. See, I don't even think about it. Um, I mean, I guess they probably would be because, again, the cult of personality. They, they yeah. put people at ease. I've heard Bill Clinton walks in the room and you can you can feel the power that this guy has because you have to have that it. Let's not pretend you don't. Let's not pretend right. that, that these dudes didn't have that and haven't honed that in a lifetime. Right. Uh, like, stop it. But let's go back to the very first president of the United States, mm-hmm. George Washington. Didn't graduate college. Um, pretty much self-made dude. Also, he was smart enough to only marry rich chicks. <laughs> sugar <laughs> right. mamas. Yes, he was looking for sugar mamas from the very beginning. He was looking for sugar mamas. But he was aware how dangerous political parties were. And that's one of the reasons he ran for a second term was so America could pull his head out of his ass and not go for, what, federal and anti-federalist or whatever they were the name of the two parties. Right. Yeah, he was like, no, no, no. You you need to go for individuals. You need to go for policies, not parties. He's like, mm-hmm. parties are very dangerous. And, and well, we didn't listen, and we have only had two major parties in this country since the beginning, and that's a problem. Yeah. Um, I was reading somebody's comments like, well, America only has two parties, and you guys don't understand that you need a right-wing party, extreme right-wing party, moderate right-wing party, extreme left-wing party, moderate left-wing yeah. party. Yeah. <laughs> so at one time it was that way. At one time <clears throat> it was that way. They did they did branch out. There was more variety on each part Republican and Democrat. That's why you say you hear GOP nowadays, grand old party, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they had to they had to twist that around because it's not really the Republicans that used to be. 
is something different now, even though you hear GOP and you think Republican, you're like, eh. and it's the same way with the Democrats. Like you're a Democrat nowadays. It's not Democrat from 20 years ago or 50 years ago or hundred years ago. All that has changed over time with society and with culture and with a lot of other things, but it's also changed because there's no movement like those individual little parties within the party. They don't have anymore. They don't have those little breakdowns. So it's an all or nothing. So you've got one big party, like you're saying, that's trying to encompass multiple styles of governments, governance, governance, um, and, you know, multiple ideas and multiple ideologies and and all that kind of stuff. And you can't do that. I mean, it's one of the things that's hard to put somebody in in a box. We like to do that nowadays, though. We love to put people in boxes. And it's like... It's like we don't understand nuance anymore or the fact that you can have contrary positions from what people think. Um, Like you can't be socially liberal, but fiscally conservative. (laughs) How is that possible? It's possible. It's pretty easy because I've been that way a long time. Uh huh. And uh, and it's like, well, how come you vote for this person, this person? Because I'm not voting for party. I'm looking to see what this person has done, what their voting record is. Um, Also, do you write your representatives? Because, again, we're gun people. You need to try to talk to the local. Forget talking to your senators. Yeah, write your senator on a national level. Yeah you know, instigate that conversation, but you're probably getting a form letter back, but I think it's important that you try. I think it's important that you become a part of the process just to let them know they don't have 100% consensus in your state with all their constituents, but your local dude is the one who's in your district too. You can probably meet and invite to the range. Mm -hmm. You can probably go by and see them face to face and have a conversation, a civil conversation. Even if you don't agree with the guy, at least meet with him because you're doing something that this country was founded upon. That's taking part of a process that was unique on earth when it happened, Mm -hmm. the way they did it. And why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Because that goes to the foundation of what America is. And to give that up, what, so you can go cold, dead hands or post some cornball meme and talk about how <laughs> how how straight up like a patriot you that, are? That gets the thumbs up, which gives the dopamine rush, which keeps the cycle going, buddy. That's that's all it does. Nope, I've got I've met them. And, and again, <laughs> I've been disgusted by the people here after I testified because they voted after I tried to educate them about the racist gun control and how it got started in Jersey and why certain guns are on the roster. Oh, we didn't know that. And then they voted against us anyway. And we ended up with 10 round magazine limitations and red flag laws being passed. But eh, I tried. Right. Um, we're at the, we're actually past the top of the hour, but yep. it's, it's all good. Let's run the quick draw segment here. I uh, brought to you by our friends over at craft holsters. It's craftholsters.com. And uh, go check it out. All kinds of leather holsters, shoulder holsters, small of the back, cross draw, cowboy rigs, you name it. They got it. Uh, it's great stuff. I own quite a few. And, uh, yeah, I want to thank them for sponsoring the quick draw segment. Tony, it's the way this works. I'm going to give you two choices. You don't have to explain anything, but you have to pick one. So, uh, here we go. Uh, who is your favorite, Doc Holliday or Billy the Kid? 
Billy the Kid. In their prime, which one wins the fight? They're fighting each other. Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson? In their prime, who wins the box? Well, I'll go with what Mike Tyson said. Muhammad Ali. (laughs) There you go. Um, Gotta pick one now. So, um, forced to go dancing. Do you go line dancing or ballroom dancing? Line dancing all day. Line dancing, he said. I like it. Uh, Bronco or a blazer? Bronco. Bronco. Um, Wow, this is this is right up your alley. The General Lee or Kit? General Lee. He's going old school muscle car. I like it. <laughs> exactly. I like it. Old I like school it. muscle car. I like it. Um, had you rather go camping or go on a cruise? Camping. Uh, bar- speaking barbecue here. Pulled pork or chopped beef? Oh. Only complicated question of it. Mm. Tony's like, food, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I'll probably go with the pulled pork. Okay, we're going to go. We're going to get you with the food. We're going to keep going with the food. I'm going to make it hard on you. Uh, French fries or tater tots? Tater tots. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Really? All day, you were, and you were talking about the good chicken and waffles you had. Not oh, it was good day. chicken and waffles. Yeah, it was good. But I mean, my my go to, uh, I like breakfast or dinner. I'm that dude. I like the yeah, pancakes. Yeah. And pancakes are filling. So mm-hmm. now, aren't. now anything weird with the pancakes? Just regular like maple syrup or whatever. And regular milk, maple syrup, dude. I mean, butter. I've, I've, yeah, butter, maple syrup. We're done here. I All mean. Right. Yeah. I, I, I do go to Waffle House every now and again and get, I mean, not Waffle House, uh, uh, IHOP, and get one of the little things. And I Fresh always go. Fruity, Rudy Tooty. Yeah, some corny little thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I want to get back to my regular pancakes. Right. Oh, by the way, something, because people always go French uh, waffles or pancakes. French toast. Oh, I, French, French toast, toast would be my go-to if, if it was, if you if there was three. Was there one? It was pick two. But if there was three, French, uh, yeah, French toast would one hundred percent be my thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, you got the bread, you got some egg, you got some cinnamon, you got some nutmeg, you got some powdered sugar, you got it's, it's toast and everything else all rolled into one. All even into even one. better, even better. Take French toast bread and put a little bit of syrup on one side, of course, uh, and then get you some pan sausage if you know what pan sausage actually is and make you a big pan sausage patty and slap down in the middle of that french toast and you've got a sausage sandwich with french toast and you can't beat it yep this, this <laughs> turned into food chat we went from mill syrup to food chat how does that happen <laughs> hey we bounce all over the place man let's make it fun yeah but uh yeah thanks to two uh craft holsters for uh Power in the uh, the quick draw thing, and thanks Tony for for playing along. Uh, yeah, let's let's let you give your final thoughts and and plugs and everything else, and then we'll get out of here. And let everybody continue their Wednesday evening. 
All right, cool. Hey, everybody, have a great day. Thank you for listening to me and having me on the show. Um, you can find me at diversityshoot.com and see the work we do. I'd like to thank G Webs and Night Strike for working on my website and getting Oh, they did. It's looking good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was great, man. Um, so you can click on the link and actually purchase tickets uh, for our diversity shoot right there. Uh, we're going to have them at four different ranges in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. And when the Midwest tour comes up, they'll be there, too. You also have links to the different podcasts I'm on and a way to donate to us if you want to. So you can use Venmo. You can use Cash App, all that stuff. You can also donate through PayPal and Patreon. So please go to Diversity Shoot. Help us out. If you want to see what I'm talking about on IG, go to Simon Says Train. Simon Says Train also on Facebook. Second is for everyone on Facebook. Second is for everyone on Twitter. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. You're one of the few regulars, it seems like, every season. And that's because we just have so much fun. I mean, it's it's just it's fun to kick back and just yak sometimes. Dude, sometimes it's just fun <laughs> not to talk about what we always talk about. We could get so worked up, you know, like I, I, I get the two A fight and I'm totally thankful for what you do in the two A fight along with a lot of other ones. But sometimes we can get so worked up in the two A fight that we, we truly forget what the two A is protecting for us. The fun yep. and the what well, we talked about, the collectability, the investment. There's so many aspects, the beauty, right? There's yep. so many aspects to firearm ownership that that covers that sometimes we just got to stop and enjoy being firearm owners. Yep. That really, it really is true. Especially when, again, we have cases coming fast and furious right now right. all across the country. Legislation is going through. It's easy to get caught up in it. And like, Oh, and it's like, bro, let's talk about your favorite gun. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Love it that a little bit. So, uh, yeah, for, uh, those that, uh, want to check out what Tony's doing and, and more importantly, help support Tony by all means, jump over to the website there, the newly revamped website. I've seen it. It looks pretty good. Uh, jump over there, throw him a few bucks, uh, help him out, get some pizza for one of those uh, diversity shoots or whatever that they, uh, they need help with. Highly encourage you to do that. Um, want to thank again, of course, MTM case guard, uh, MTM case dash guard.com. Uh, Save 10% with code CloverTech. That should be working now. Thanks to Craft Holsters, of course. CraftHolsters.com. Thanks to the YouTube channel members, the Patreon patrons, those that help us out here on the channel and support things. Tomorrow, I'll be recording live with the uh, same time, I think, as we did tonight. We'll be recording live with Chantel from Women Who Carry It. And I think the Pull the Trigger podcast, I could be wrong on that, but I think that's, uh, that's the name of her podcast. But we'll have... Uh, uh, Chantel on tomorrow, hanging out on the podcast and having fun. Uh, for those that uh, have been out there live, thanks for the comments and the interaction. Uh, for those that are in replay, remember that you can jump down in those comments below wherever you're at and, and continue to participate. So we're going to call this one done. Until next time, don't forget to chain fire freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out CloverTac.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CloverTac Podcast. <laughs>